Hello, and welcome back to episode two. We've been allowed an episode two of the European show. Today, I'm joined by Nick again. Hello, welcome back. And we're going to have a look back at all the weekend's football, as well as look ahead to the Champions League. So we're going to start with Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona today. It finished, funnily enough, the game that we first reviewed. It finished 1-0 to Atletico Madrid uh, with a goal by Yannick Carrasco after a massive error by Marc-Andre de Stegen. And this has been Atletico Madrid's first win in, in against Barcelona in La Liga in 10 years. So Nick, do you think that Simeone has finally been able to rebuild Atletico Madrid after the, the team of previous years, including Godin, Miranda, Felipe Luis, Gabi, all drifted away and moved on? Yeah, it, it certainly seems like it because, because the team now is... Well, the problem, the problem last season is that there was quite a lot of quality in the side, and and mentally the the, the group knew what they had to do, and and now they're like chilling together, and they have the cohesion and the fighting spirit that they uh, used to have in the days of Gabi, Godin, and all that stuff. And now players are really getting into the zone, particularly in this game. Um, Carrasco played very well, Mario Hermoso played very well, João Felix and Llorente played very well, and now that these players are performing so well, they're all very motivated and they're all doing very well with each other as well as a unit and as a team. And that reminds me a fair amount of, of these old days. So it's nice to see this return of, of Atletico's nice play. So with this loss, it's, it's meant Barcelona have slipped down to 12th. So is it looking less likely that they're going to be able to challenge for the title this season? Oh, oh yes, for sure. N- not only in their position at the table, but in the way they're playing, the, the opposite to what has happened to, to Atletico, the team hasn't gelled yet. W- w- what was clearly visible in the game was that they didn't have a cohesive unit. Not all the players were motivated and not all of the players were connected well with each other. And well, last time we talked about whether Barcelona was too reliant on Messi, and I think this game really showed it because he, he did not play well at all. He, he was invisible for, for much, pretty much the entirety of the first half. Second half, he put in some good passes, some good crosses, but overall he wasn't, he wasn't as important of a player as he needs to be. And then the team didn't, nobody nobody else in the team was able to step up, create chances. So I think that the team as a whole, being as unmotivated as, as it appears and playing the way they did against Atletico, does not stand a chance of at winning the title. It's something radical would have to change. Well, I think the, the fact that, you, as you said, they were unmotivated as to the fact that Messi just looked fed up as, yeah. if, he, as if he didn't want to be there. Yeah, for sure. A, a big difference in the game was was the presence of leaders. Atletico has has all of these big personalities: Saul, Coque, Jimenez, Oblak. Like the entire match long, they were shouting at their teammates, talking to them, ordering them around, motivating them, lifting, making them lift their heads up, fight for balls. And then, and and you could see it in the way that Joe Felix and Llorente and Hermoso they would they would all be more active they would be more participative and and ask for the ball more as a reaction to 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 their leaders motivation and meanwhile Barca didn't have that all of, all of their all, most of their players are quite quiet you have Coutinho who doesn't talk a lot Griezmann who just spent the whole game with, with his head dripping down and Messi who as you said it didn't look like he wanted to be there and then not not there there wasn't the same personalities to motivate the team and keep them sharp 
And that's really what made the difference. And it appears that it's going to hurt Barca a lot this season if they can't fix that. And, and I think when you're talking about leaders and the fact that Barcelona's aren't stepping up, it can be shown when, for the post-match interviews, none of the so-called leaders like Pique, I know even though he went off injured, Messi, to Stegen, any of the leaders in the team didn't turn out to do the post-match interviews. And instead they sent out Pedri, a 17-year-old who they signed in the summer, and Serginio Dest, yeah, another, another youngster who doesn't even know Spanish. Yeah, Serginio Dest doesn't even know Spanish, and they sent him out for the interview. That 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 tells you a lot about the the dressing room atmosphere that they have at Barcelona right now. It's quite rough. That's a big, big problem. Coman has to fix. And I just think this is adding on to the array of issues that are developing at Barcelona. And and it and now it's being added on with the fact that they don't that PK's injured as well. They're losing a key leader in central defence. Possibly the only leader of the entire team, to be honest. Yeah. And so Atletico Madrid are playing Lokomotiv Moscow during the week. And I expect them to, to win. But obviously, Lokomotiv Moscow have caused them problems in the past. Yeah, they, 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 did, they did draw in the, in the first match. However, Atletico was a fair amount better and really just got mostly unlucky. The Lokomotiv goalkeeper played an amazing game and really saved his team. So if Philetico can, can play the same way at home, which they will quite possibly actually be better, they, they should win the match, I, I would hope. And um, Barcelona against Dynamo Kiev. The, the key story coming out of this game is the fact that Messi is not in the match day squad. Is he and not? I don't know. No, he's, he's not. He's been, he's been left out. And considering the fact that Dynamo Kiev only lost two one to Barcelona at the new camp, it is it is will be it will be interesting to see whether they can actually upset Barcelona and beat them. Yeah, well, with Barcelona in, in at this low point in morale and playing not at their best at the moment, this match that would under normal circumstances be an easy one for Barcelona is really up in the air. Should be quite interesting to watch. And so, so now we'll look at the other side of Madrid, at Real. So they played Villarreal at the weekend. It finished 1-1 with a goal by Mariano, who scored his first goal for Real Madrid since March. And Gerard Moreno, who, who scored a penalty. So this was the fourth penalty that Real Madrid have conceded in two matches, which when you concede three against Valencia, obviously that's, that's going to yeah, look worse. That's and what I've got here is... Is Villarreal dominated the second half and Gerard Moreno caused so many issues for Real Madrid down that right-hand side that he plays on? Yeah, Villarreal did react very well and, and, and Gerard Moreno did have himself a great, great match. And the penalty was caused by Chukweze, if I correctly remember, who, who, has been, who has been in good form recently. Well, he, he's just a generally good player by the looks of it and he, and he played a pretty good match, quite active. And interestingly enough, um, last podcast episode, we, we also talked about the impacts of Ramos not being there. And I feel like if it's possible that with Ramos in the team, I, I know that a defender didn't directly cause the penalty. It was Courtois' mistake. But I feel that with Ramos's leadership and security, the defense would have been more locked up and less susceptible to, to, to runs like that. So I, think that. so I think that him not being in the team was quite important. Yeah, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head there by saying 
Chikwesi wouldn't have been able to make the run into the box if Ramos was there because he would have been able to stop him. And it doesn't it doesn't help that Varane is going through a bit of a, a shaky spell because that 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 match against Manchester City in the Champions League last year, where where he lost the ball and made several errors, is clearly still affected him now. Yeah, with every match he plays. He seems less and less confident, and since each and since he loses confidence with each game, he plays like a little bit worse every time, and that just makes him lose more confidence. He needs to break out of this cycle, or else he will just keep spiraling. And and so just in midweek, Real Madrid play Inter Milan in Group B. Currently, this match is looking like the race for third place in Group B <laughs> after both teams start. So the return leg, it it was three two to to Real Madrid. It was a very but, close game. Yeah, it was. And I, I do think with the current state that Real Madrid are in, Inter Milan may be able to sneak away with the win here, which will leave it down to uh, to how both teams compete against Shakhtar, Donetsk and Prisci Mönchengladbach. Yeah, I think it would be a very interesting result if if Inter managed to win because then they, they would pull slightly ahead of, of Real Madrid, but neither of them would be left with many points to compete with Gladbach and, and Shakhtar, which would leave them... Well, a win a win for Inter, and assuming that Mönchengladbach win after their 6-0 routing against Shakhtar, it would take Inter into second. Wow, that would put Real Madrid in very big danger of being knocked out. Exactly, with, with so two Real, games Real Madrid well. have to win this match. And so now we'll move on to the table toppers. Real who managed to win 1-0 against Cadiz with uh, Alexander Isaac header. But du- during the whole game, this just looked like one-way traffic and it looked like Real Sociedad were going to win. They had several good chances in the first half, but just couldn't seem to find the back of the net. David Silva was sk- still pulling the strings in the Real Sociedad midfield, providing loads of chances and laying it on plates for their attackers. And Adnan Yanazai played very well. He he produced this piece of skill in the Kadith box. It was some sort of back heel to beat two defenders, and he's just shot, let him down. It would have been a great goal if, if he managed to pull it off. And he also got the assist to Alexander Isaac's goal. What a match. Yeah. Interestingly enough, even though Cadiz lost, they still rose up to fifth place in the table because Granada, who used to be above them, were tied on points and were slightly ahead of them on goal difference. But this game this game week, they lost by more points than Cadiz, so Cadiz went up. And so next, Sociedad have AZ Alkmaar in the Europa League. And so now we'll move on to Syria. So my self-proclaimed game of the week will lead our running order, and that is Napoli versus AC Milan. Finished three one to to AC Milan, and basically one player can just sum up this game. That man being Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who continues his good run of form, scoring two goals and one very nice header. During the whole game, Napoli missed several chances, which could have brought them back level in the first half. But the get, but the game slowly fell away from them. Ante Rebic was playing very well and provided the assist for Ibrahimovic's first goal. And but and Dries Mertens, as I said last week, who would get more chances with the injury to Victor Oshiman, he did prove to do that. And he got more chances, and of, and he he took them well, and he, he managed to score. But the fact was. Bakayoko got a red card and he, he just he just didn't look right in that game. I know after I said last week, Gattuso's probably the best manager for him to be under. That's really backfired. 
and he just didn't look right. Uh, he played like a turtle gatuso that game. <laughs> and but but the scoreline doesn't it 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 doesn't do Napoli justice. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. Like I felt that um both teams in terms of creating chances they were quite even. Napoli created a lot of danger, took a lot of shots on goal. But at the end of the day, what made the difference in the match was one team had done a rumor in goal and the other one didn't. For me, Donnarumma had a great game. Player of the week, in my opinion. He completely saved completely saved Milan in this game. Made a lot of good saves. He was very solid, very impressive. He conceded one goal, but it, it was a bit of a defensive mistake. Not a lot he could have done. And even then, he very almost got to it. I was very, very impressed by him. Who, who, who I was impressed by was Ishmael Benesser. He His passing is just glorious. And 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 I think to sum it up, it was his pass right at the end of the game to set up the third goal, and how he could just play it straight past Kudabali and to Hauga. He he scores his first goal face Milan, even though it was in garbage time. It's it was a well taken finish and just an even better pass. So next, Milano against Lille, and considering the fact that they lost in the in the previous game against Lille, they'll be looking for revenge, and I th- I think this would be an interesting game. Both considering the fact that they're both favourites to to qualify from their group with a group that can uh, contain Sparta Prague and Celtic, it, it's basically whoever this is whoever finishes first. So Milan need to win to be in with a chance of being able to finish first because of the fact that they lost to Leo previously. So we'll look at Inter Milan who who won four two against Torino. That doesn't show off the game bet best. So Inter Milan they start off very poor. They conceded a sloppy goal at first, and then their second goal was a penalty. But what's amusing was they had a free kick down the other end of the field in a goal-scoring position, but the ref decided to the penalty appeal for a kick in the chest by Ashley, Ashley Young had to be reviewed. And so it was reviewed and overturned, and obviously Torino had the penalty. But after that, it was just one-way traffic. So Alexis Sanchez got, got a goal, and Romelu Lukaku... Had had a great game with two goals and assist. Well, he, one goal was a penalty, yes, but it doesn't matter. Lukaku is just a, a great player, and he, and he's just improved under Conte so much more compared to when he was at Man United and just didn't look like the player he could have been. And he's slowly developing into that player now. And right during during that uh, the Europa League tournament, every time I just watched Inter Milan, Lukaku just looked so good. And and he he rightly deserved to win Europa League Player of the Year because he was he even though he did score the own goal in for the third goal in the final against Sevilla he was just such a he was just great he was just great he's been really good with the national team recently as well this international break he was very important for Belgium and so he's clearly kept up his strong form now with Inter yeah and I th- I think playing under Conte. And playing under Roberto Martinez, it, it's just such a breath of fresh air instead of being stuck in that rot of, of Man United. Speaking of Man United rejects, nice to see Alexis Sanchez scoring again. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a well taken finish. And as as we mentioned before, uh, Inter Milan are against Real Madrid in this upcoming Champions League match week. Yeah, for sure, a game to watch will be extremely intense. I hope. Uh, we'll move on to Juventus versus Cagliari now. So Juventus. 1-2-0. This was one-way traffic throughout. All, all I've got written down is, is just Ronaldo. That, that can just sum up the game. He scored two goals. He's literally the reason Juventus are able to compete with in the league. They look poor without him 
and his goals just carried them basically. This this Serie A season can be summed up by two late thirty year olds. You wouldn't think that would ever happen. It's incredible that the two top scorers are both over thirty five. But I suppose that's what you get for for working on your craft and to make sure you keep up with the with the demands of the game. So Juventus play Ferencváros of Hungary. They convincingly won the last game, so I expect this to be the how it ends. Juventus will win. Uh, so the plucky underdogs of Syria now, Sassuolo. So we didn't talk about them last week because we didn't think we would need to, but we do. They're second in Syria, only two, and we're top until AC Milan played. Uh, in the first half, they didn't really look that good. Hellas Verona did cause them some issues. Jerry Muboga, an ex-Chelsea player, scored a great goal. So Berardi cuts in. From the right wing, look, looks like he's going to shoot on his left. But instead plays it across the box to Jeremy Boga, who, from near the corner of the 18-yard box, just unleashes a right-footed shot. And it just loops over the goalie, and there's nothing he can do about it. And it, it, it's one of the best goals of the weekend. And then Berardi himself managed to get managed to get a goal as well. But it, it was a deflected shot. But it, it was an assist from Boga as well. It, count, it counted in as, as an assist from Boga. I didn't even know that. That was great. So it'd be interesting to see whether Sassuolo can, can continue this form and manage to stay in the top four because you would think a team of that budget and size wouldn't be able to complete compete with the big teams such as AC Milan, Inter Milan, Juventus, Lazio. It's been interesting as well because they have a lot of players who are really on their game this season. As we've mentioned, uh, Boga has been playing very well. Berardi has been quite decent as well. And for me... A standout player has been Caputo. Five goals so far this season. Pretty good. Pretty impressive. I I do like this team quite a lot. I, I hope they can keep up their good form. I'd just like to po- point out Boga was their fourth goal scorer this whole season. And obviously Sassuolo aren't in the Champions League. So Lazio against Zenit Zen Petersburg. Lazio don't have any issues with their COVID testing as they did last week. And so with their with first teamers such as Chiro and Mobile able to play, I imagine them finish outright winners against against Zenit. Even the last time Zenit did cause them some issues. Zenit caused some issues drawing one one with them and in fact took the lead early on until a Felipe Caicedo late goal, which is something common right now saved them and the other Italian team is Atalanta who are against Liverpool so Atalanta obviously lost 5-0 against against Liverpool in Bergamo but I think with Atalanta's attacking capabilities and the fact that Liverpool are nearly are lacking in defence and have nearly qualified as well it may mean Atalanta could snatch a win at Anfield which I'd be very surprised if they do so we're going to take a, br- uh, a short break now, and then we're going to return with Liga, with a very special announcement, and the Bundesliga. <laughs> All right, we're back. So we'll start with Liga. So the biggest game of the weekend in Liga it was Monaco versus PSG, which finished 3-2 to Monaco. So in the first half, Monaco was so poor. Balo Traore was at fault for one of the, for the penalty and one of the goals. Uh, Mbappe looked unstoppable in the first half no, and terrorised Balo Traore. And in fact, PSG could have had two more goals. 
if it wasn't for VAR ruling out Mbappe's third for his hat-trick, as well as Moise Kien's goal, with that being quite controversial about whether it was offside or not. But in the in the second half, Niko Kovac made some changes. He brought on Cesc Fabregas, and that changed the game. So Gelson Martins also seemed to improve over half-time, but Fabregas was playing passes that no one else in the Monaco midfield could before, and... They brought on Carl Henrique, who at left back, who was causing so many issues for Colin Dagba as he as he struggled, and then obviously Kevin Volland was key as he managed to score two goals and also win the penalty that Fabregas managed to slot away. And so Fabregas rightly maybe deserved man of the match. Well, this one is interesting, very interesting in context of the of the league table because this puts Monaco only four points behind league leaders PSG, which they which they just beat. So it's very important in terms of the competition of the league and yeah, we'll see so, how it so plays out. So that's what I want to know. Do you think this could possibly be another team's year in Liga? Because Leo are only Leo are only two points behind PSG. And then obviously it's quite close behind them. You've got Leon, Monaco, Rennes, all mm-hmm. within touching distance as well. Leon, Montpellier, so and Monaco are all tied on points. So... Possibly catch up and overtake PSG? I think it's possible, yes. It is quite unlikely because PSG is a strong team and because of their large squad depth, they will have a a, a good amount of consistency throughout the season and be able to keep up good form, which I'm uncertain whether the other smaller teams could manage. But it's it's possible, especially because this will be a weird season with with the pandemic going on and and players getting injured more often. One one will have to see what what will happen. It's possible, but it's unlikely that another team will manage to overtake PSG. Uh, But I do think this is positive signs for Monaco. Because obviously they they've in a bit of a rut before now, and the team they played against PSG, which is quite a surprise, had an average age of twenty three point one, which is very young. Good to see them going exactly. back to their and, and clearly days. it's paying off. Even though this, you could argue that this may have been a bit of a fluke, but it, it's all rightly deserved. And I, it'd be interesting to see how Monaco capitalise on this, whether they can maintain this momentum and, and push forward. And so. PSG are up against RB Leipzig next, which is very big for Group H because Leipzig are obviously second. PSG are a third, but Leipzig won the last game and PSG didn't look good at all then. So um, it, it could be another case that Leipzig may manage to steal this one. So this, this is going to be an interesting game. I'm sure Leipzig will be looking for revenge against PSG after their knockout defeat in last year's Champions League. So I think tensions will be high this game. Leipzig will be playing at the top of their game, as you you would expect in any Champions League match, but more so because of the context of that. So it will be very fun to watch, I'm sure. And, uh, and I, I think will the, be keeping the an sweetest eye that. revenge will be beating them twice and also stopping them advancing past yeah, the group stage exactly. as well. And for the football purists out there, like myself... PSG not making the next round, not even making the knockout stages of the Champions League. It's it's sweet, sweet victory. Controversial statement. We'll see how that pans out. But returning a little bit to the to the topic of Mbappe with his double with his double this weekend, he became PSG's fifth all time top scorer, overtaking Mustafa Daleb with ninety nine goals. So congratulations for that, Mbappe. Still quite young, still going strong. Well done. Oh, and he's only one goal off of Dominique Rocheteau, who is the fourth top scorer. So it's very feasible that he will 
overtake but do him you, in do the we think the that Mbappe will stay long enough to become one of the top two goal scorers overtaking either Cavani or Ibrahimovic or can we do we see Mbappe leaving at the end of the season especially if PSG don't actually make it out of the group stage Right, that's a good question, actually. I mean, well, he is 57 goals off, off Ibra, which is fairly far. If he if he stays of two or three seasons, he will obviously overtake him without a doubt. But yeah, that's a good question. Would he stay if PSG um, didn't make it into the next round of the Champions League? I, I do not think he would, actually. He would probably go on to, to keep on competing at the highest of levels. But having said that, football is a strange game. You never know. And I'm sure he likes the team a lot, uh, so he could be so convinced we'll briefly to briefly cover Ren. They're playing Chelsea. Chelsea won convincingly, only due to some dodgy penalty calls in the game at Stamford Bridge. If Ren wanted, if Ren want to show everyone how they actually play and how good they actually are, and Kamavinga wants to shine, then they really have to show up to this game. They're struggling, especially because they lose to Sevilla, they lose to Chelsea, they drew with Krasnodar, who are arguably their biggest rivals. So. It, I think the aim for Rennes should be the, the Europa League and they should be able to beat Krasnodar. But I think to show their intentions, they, they can easily prove an issue for Chelsea. They just need to turn up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They just I want to see Kamavinga and Jeremy Doku linking up and it being the greatest piece of football I've, I've ever seen. And so now, and at the time... Speaking of the greatest we've, football we've ever we've seen. We've been eagerly waiting for. So Lille beat Larion 4-0. So we'll briefly talk about the game. Lille just dominated everywhere. Every time they went forward, they just looked like they were going to score. Zeka and Andre in their midfield just broke up everything and just were so much more dominant than Lorient's. And then they would pass it out wide to Luis Aranjo, who scored and had a good game himself, having several good chances as well as his goal. Then you've got Yusuf Yazidzi, who once again carries on his good goal-scoring form, managing two goals and an assist as well. But most importantly, then since Jonathan David has scored, is that... Day since Jonathan David scored has gone down to one. Congratulations, Jonathan David, for your debut goal again uh, with Lille. That, that is a big He's... milestone. So we're here at the podcast. We're Jonathan very glad David to see David has finally managed to score. And he had a good game as well, getting a goal and an assist for one of Yazid's goals. So throughout the game, Jonathan David was he was clearly lacking confidence because there was chances he got which he which he would miss. But now that goal is going to take him to the stratosphere, and he should be able to easily start scoring again now. So it watch him score a hat trick against Milan. <laughs> Interestingly enough, last time we we sort of casually mentioned, Yudziti uh, was kind of taking Jonathan David's yeah, spot in the team. Was he was replacing him, and they were competing for for the same spot. But they played together uh, this game, and they played very well with Jonathan with Jonathan David actually assisting one of Yudziti's goals. So it's it's good to see them to, to see them together, and the, clearly so clearly the combination worked extremely well. Off PSG and are seriously mounting a, a, an attempt at the title challenge. So when they play P PSG, it's going to be interesting how, how this game matches up, especially since PSG have shown they are prone to a, to a collapse. And so now we'll move on to the Bundesliga. So we'll first start with Hertha Berlin versus Borussia Dortmund. You, you can argue that the biggest story coming up with this game was either Erling Haaland's four goals 
or Yusuf Makoko becoming the youngest Bundesliga player ever, playing when he was 16 and one day old. That means the only person that could ever beat that record is someone that plays on their birthday when they turn 16. But sadly, Yusuf Makoko didn't live up to the hype and didn't score a hat-trick in his brief cameo. But but someone that did score a hat-trick <laughs> was Erling Braut Haaland. He was unstoppable. Yes, he, he yes he took advantage of Hertha Berlin's defensive errors. But overall, Hertha Berlin could not find a, a way to stop him. At the, in the first half, Dortmund didn't look at the races. In, they were poor. And this allowed Mateus Cunha to score a great a great first first goal, to be fair. But then some something clicked at half-time. And, and Lucien Favre clearly made them start playing well and then obviously straight away out of the blocks Haaland scores one and then the goals just flood in and Rafael Guerrero also manages to to, to chip in with a with a with a hooked hook shot along the floor and and so this now blows the Bundesliga title race wide open they're now one point off Bayern and have made up for their loss in in the De Classica already which is great and it's shown that normally this would be the type of game that Dortmund would so this would be a game that Dortmund would either lose or draw in the past, but now it seems to be in Erlen Haaland, they have they have that person that can take them and push them to the next level. Someone that did impress me though was Jude Bellingham, mainly to the fact that he, he, he squared up to Schwallow, Hertha Berlin's goalkeeper, after he accidentally fell over him and Schwallow got a bit angry. And so... We were talking about, about personalities and leaders early in the podcast, and, and it appears this Dortmund team really has a lot of that. A lot of these players who are very involved in the team. So, so it's good to see that, and hopefully that will mark a new, a new, a new era in the Bruges team. In the week. be interesting to see if Lucien Favre decides to play as a wild card and starts Mukoko. If he does, fair enough, because that would make him the youngest Champions League player ever. But I imagine it would be... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Imagine it be a, a brief bench cameo again. Unless unless Dortmund kill off the game early, then he may get more than the 10 or so minutes that he got at the weekend. And so the other challenges in the Bundesliga title race, Bayern surprisingly drew 1-1 with Werder Bremen, who funnily enough, last week we slated and called them very poor. This is becoming a theme. Football has its ways so of punishing. So Jamal Musiala, uh, an English under-21 international, managed to get his first start for Bayern Munich, but was hooked at half-time as Bayern Munich were performing very poorly. So in the first half, Bremen was surprisingly the better team. And Neuer was keeping Bayern in the game throughout and made a fine double save as well until Eg- Eggestein scored. And then Kingsley Coleman managed to get one back with, with, with a goal which is similar to his Champions League final goal with a, a run at the far post and a header header into the far corner. And so it'd be interesting how Bayern react against RB Salzburg because obviously they demolished them the last time they played. And so I, I imagine Salzburg will want to want some sort of revenge, whether that can be staying in the game longer or even mounting some sort of a win because Salzburg can prove an issue for some teams. Returning, returning a little bit back to the topic of Werder Bremen. Fun fact, this is Werder Bremen's fifth 1-1 draw in a row. <laughs> for I, I for all of you out there wondering. Season. <laughs> you, you draw against Köln, Hoffenheim and Freiburg, but then you also draw against Bayern Munich. So, well, fair like, enough, I guess. Leipzig, as we mentioned before, against PSG, they played out quite dire 1-1 draw with Frankfurt. Angelino continued his good form, getting an assist for Yusuf Paulsen. 
who continues to score great goal of the season contending goals. And then we move on to Borussia Mönchengladbach, who somehow drew 1-1 with Augsburg in a, in a game which was which Gladbach dominated. They missed Real Wimbolo missed several key chances, which he's kicking himself about. Because if he converted them, the game would have been long gone in Mönchengladbach's favour. Augsburg were down to 10 men, and then Augsburg just punished Gladbach for a defensive error right at the end. It just shows that football is a game of fine margins, and Gladbach gets punished for it once again. But a positive to take from that was Dennis Zakaria, Gladbach's highly touted for central defensive midfielder, finally made a return. But sadly, I wasn't able to see the double pivot of Florin Neuhaus and Dennis Zakaria. So next, are playing Shakhtar in in a game which is obviously a return of the of the six 0 dropping that they gave them in in Kiev. So it'd be interesting to see whether they can continue this and give themselves a better chance of qua- of qualifying for the next round. And Alisson player won't be back in time after he con- contracted coronavirus. It was a test before Augsburg pointed out and. One of the most exciting games in the Bundesliga at the weekend was Hoffenheim versus Stuttgart, which finished 3-3. Notably, Ryan Sessegnon got his first goal for Hoffenheim, and Andrew Kramerich can, continues his great season, scoring seven goals in four games. So we're going to have a bit of a break now, and we're going to wrap everything up and cover the Pro League and the plucky underdogs in Nor- Norway. So we're back now for the for the for the third and final part. We'll first start with the with the Belgian Pro League. So in in the game that we that we covered, Beershot versus Anderlecht, um, I did say there'd be a scalp, and a scalp there was. Beershot won two one. Anderlecht seemed to make a a weird choice. It was weird from the off. They captain twenty one year old Sumbi Lokongo for some reason when they had it just showing the youthful team that Vincent Company is trying to build and elect for them to be able to hold the dynasty in the Belgian Pro League and get back to where they were a few years ago before Club Bruges began to take over but shout out to Raphael Holzenhauser the big shot attacking midfielder who's having the time of his life right now as he's managed to score 10 goals and 8 assists in 13 games and he also had the chance to improve on this by, by scoring a penalty but he missed so this takes Beershot up to second. Quite impressive for me as well. Beershot's other goal scorer, Koulibaly, unrelated to Kalidou Koulibaly. This is um, a 19-year-old Malayan footballer, Ismaili Koulibaly, who so far has three goals in six games. Quite good, quite impressive. So he's very young and he's scoring scoring in these important matches. So, you know, so we, we like Beershot to see that. Teams, so congratulations to him. Becoming very impressive. And it's it's surprising that they're doing this well. And considering the fact that Charlotte are lost to Ghent, which was also surprising, they they're seriously mounting a title challenge. And Holzenhauser's form has been so good that it's it's meant eleven sports in Belgium has touted him as the Austrian Messi. Which is which is fair enough <laughs> with the stats he's putting up. He's probably better than Messi right now, to be fair. That was very and normally we just cover Bishop, <laughs> but, but there's one game that, that stood out. Standard Liège versus Upen. It's a standard, no pun intended, 2-2 draw. But the most significant thing about the game was the fact that in the in the dying seconds of the game, Standard Liège sent their goalkeeper up and he manages to get 
a foot on the ball and he scores the equaliser, which is things you love to see. Is a incredible story as well. They were one man down, and then the things last moment of the game is a goalkeeper scoring. scoring, basically, especially a last minute goal from a corner. We'll, we'll for sure so we're going to finish off Belgium today with a bit of a feel-good story. So up in Norway, normally a league dominated by either Rosenborg or Molde, they, they have a new champion, Molde Glimt. So previously, in 2017, they were promoted to the top flight of Norway. Then they were nearly relegated a year later. And then this year, they're Norwegian champions. So a bit about the team is they're in the Arctic Circle, which shows how far up north they are in Norway, showing the conditions that they have to play in. They're the second youngest team in the league. They have a former pilot as their mental coach, and this pilot has served in Afghanistan. So that clearly means their menta- mentality is is next, next to no one. It's that good. They've only lost twice all season. One against AC Milan, where they lost 3-2 in a Europa League qualifier. But they also got lost 4-2 to Mould, who was their closest title challenger. And they're set to and they're set to claim a host of records as well, being most points, most wins, most goals, and biggest winning margin as they are currently at 18 games. And biggest winning margin as they are currently on 18 points, with six games left as well. So th- this is one of those feel-good stories. They're known as the Norwegian Leicester as well. Due to the fact that they were so close to relegation and then they just suddenly turn it around and, and win. And to show how isolated they are, their closest neighbours, who are set to be promoted into the Norwegian top flight, so it will be a derby, are eight hours away and are also in the Arctic Circle. Also important to note, Jans Hager, who scored his first goal for AC Milan this weekend. We mentioned him earlier in the podcast. He used to play for his team. He was scouted by AC Milan in the game that they drew against. And he was scouted. He was scouted. He had been scouted before by AC Milan, but they decided to buy him after the game, which Bodeglimp lost against AC Milan. And then it was John Hager scored. He even gained the the blessing of Erling Breitharland. He tweeted, "Is anyone going to sign this man?" And clearly, AC Milan listened. So I think that's it for today. Thank thank you for listening to our the second episode of our podcast. We'll be back on on Friday. Uh, if you're on Spotify, please give us a follow. If you're on Apple Music, please subscribe. Wherever you get your podcast, just follow us somehow. If you're on YouTube, also subscribe and like the video. But I doubt our YouTube audience is that big. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If anyone wants to sponsor us, please do. Please. And play Raid Shadow Legends. Thank you. We'll we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.